Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Wednesday AgriHub podcast. I'm Toby Reich, I'm the Head of Seeds at Wednesday. Today we'll be focusing on oilseed rate and what growers can do to maximise their success rate and increase the output of their crops. Back when the neonics were banned, we saw a decline in the area of oilseed rape in the UK. However, we have seen a steady rise again over the last few years. And in no small part is that thanks to the developments from plant breeders and an increased trust in crop establishment and crop practices. Today, we're joined by my colleague, Danny Richardson. He's the Combinable Seed Product Specialist at Wednesday. We've got Ellie Edwards, who's one of our agronomists in the Midlands, and Chris Guest, who's the Managing Director of LSPB. And all three of them are going to chip in on the oilseed rate market, the challenges growers face, and most importantly, how they can overcome these through breeding, variety choice and agronomy. Danny, Ellie, Chris, thanks for joining me today. Hi. Hi there. Hello. So oilseed rape has been used as a break crop for many years. But as we said, the ban on neonics meant that people question whether to grow it anymore as a, as a reasonable, sustainable crop. Despite this, though, we're now around 400, well, 410, 415,000 hectares in planting last summer. That's approximately a 14% increase year on year, and certainly the highest we've seen since 2019. There have been a few challenges, though, through autumn and now in spring. So we're likely to see a 5 to 10% decrease in what actually makes it through to harvest this coming year. Using intel from the trade and from markets, it is expected that domestic requirement for rapeseed will continue to be strong for um, certainly the, this second half of the year. And that's due to strong crushing demand. Looking forward, though, Europe's predicted to have a larger production. And if a larger crop comes to market, we could see prices coming down as we head into the 2023-24 marketing year. That bearishness is coming from a surplus across the EU, but there's also talk of demand in, in China over the, um, the next few months changing that as well. Chinese rapeseed stocks are at a historical low compared to other vegetable oils, and there's always the uncontrollable global weather conditions. So the market situation, let's start with you, Chris. As a chap that'll talk to many of the merchants, to see a lot of growers, what's your take on the, the market today? Yeah, I guess, um, I mean, we saw an increase in, in planting last year, somewhere um, around 415,000 hectares. So up probably just under 15% um, year on year. Trade and expectations from others in the market, you know, could be somewhere between 400 and 415. Of that, we certainly will have seen some losses. Um, we're hearing a little bit more at the moment in terms of winter kill. Um, we had that period of weather at the end of January, particularly sort of in the east and southeast, where we had sort of four or five days where we had overnight temperatures down to up to minus 13. And that certainly had an impact on, on the crop. Added to that, cabbage stem flea beetle larvae and stem weevil. I think that's probably the, the, the two issues, probably lose somewhere between 5 to 10% of the crop. But, you know, generally all seed rape is back where we want it and, and going in the right direction from the lows of, of two or three years ago. Yeah, I, I concur. And I mean, Ellie, you would have seen this firsthand on your farms. Definitely. And I think it's a lot more people are looking at planting gorsey drape as a kind of successful break crop more and more year on year, really, from where they used to grow it and it became too high risk. They've kind of come back with new varieties coming through with better vigour and disease control, really. There's a lot more kind of people thinking about it. I'm going to put you on the spot and say, um, have you noticed anything 
in regards to when the plant was actually established earlier or later? Any trends that you've seen? Um, I think it all depends on weather conditions as well. If you get kind of a decent amount of moisture early to mid-August and it gets up and away fairly quickly, it can then kind of outgrow any damage that comes later on from flea beetle. It's when there's those dry conditions and it struggles to emerge and is a really kind of slow start that that's where you see kind of the more damage really. With lack of moisture, it has kind of no energy to fight it and get up and up and away really. But I say, yeah, the stuff drilled slightly earlier is done slightly better. I've got some crops that have been drilled first week of September that have really struggled because it just coincided with flea beetle migration that they just got hit hard really when they were too young. So I think sowing date is really important. Yeah. And I wanted to touch on a something which we we don't have hard fast backup for. But I know people talk about kind of resistances to cabbage stem flea beetle and some crops performing better than others. And it, it sometimes comes down to the plant breeding techniques, the likes of Agura versus MSL. Chris, do you want to debunk anything for me, say anything about it? I think um, vigour is certainly something that we're all looking at, and particularly with the challenge of cabbage stem flea beetle, it's become more and more prevalent. One of our breeders actually did quite a lot of work in the early days on, on this, uh, and particularly even more so spring vigour uh, is very important against the larval pressure. Everybody traditionally talked about autumn vigour, getting that crop up and away and away from adult feeding and also into a good position for the winter. And that's very important. But I think we would definitely say that the spring vigour is equally, if not more important, uh, when it comes to actually combating against cabstone flea beetle larvae damage. Now, there is a there is a slight caveat with that, that if you get something that moves too early in the spring and then we get some cold weather, then you can also have a bit of impact from from that. So you want winter hardiness built into that as well. In terms of uh, the two main hybridising systems and, and vigour, in my opinion, there is very little between them from a vigour perspective. We are doing some breeding using Agura uh, and you know we would we would see similar results to that we see in MSL and, and you can see that with varieties from both you know ourselves and our competitors you know there are some really good vigorous types and you know and there are still a couple of um, vigorous or more vigorous conventional types than others so you know, I certainly think looking at trials through the season is something that gives people good indication um, of what variety is going to suit which sowing position. Yeah, and just going back to those hybrid breeding techniques, it's if you've got several different varieties in a field, ultimately so they they may well attack one more than the other, but uh, in a commercial field, you're not going to end up with. 20 different varieties spread across it. Um, so you're you're less likely to see them trying to migrate from one to the other. Um, if they're there, they are there. Um, and that's, um, Danny, Chris touched on crop kill. I know you and I were out in some um, fields not too long ago. What, was there anything you saw in there you wanted to add in? Yes, um, I think not only talk, looking at our own trials and stuff as well, but uh, light leaf spot seems to be quite prevalent this winter and we saw a lot at our, like trial site in Harlaxton over there and I think talking to to local growers as well that it's definitely more and more on their on their mindset when looking at a variety and 
I believe that farmers are looking at livestock much more importantly and taking it much more seriously when choosing a variety. I think that's why we're seeing increased interest in in hybrids, uh, maybe as well. So, so yeah, like leaf spot has definitely been more on their on their minds. Yeah, and Ellie, with again going back to the the crops that you're managing and thinking about what's in there at the moment. Have you noticed any advantages from varietal choice? Uh, have you noticed anything that farmers and you have, have done that have made them more successful at the moment? I think there's definitely a clear kind of difference between varieties on different farms, whether that's down purely to the variety or the different soil type location. But as a combination, farmers that put on that autumn fungicide for light leaf spot, and if there is the chance of having either a rape winter stem weevil in there or flea beetle mixing a pyrethroid in there as well have kind of come out the winter better and looking a lot more promising going into harvest than the crops that haven't received that autumn fungicide treatment for light leaf spots they're looking a lot less kind of vigorous and a little bit 50 50 of whether they're going to make it through to harvest as well really yeah and we, i know we've talked about cabbage stem flea beetle but you had mentioned another pest out there that you thought was prevalent this spring what was that that you'd seen so a lot more that i've seen this year is rape winter stem weevil which is a sporadic pest but where it is prevalent it can cause quite a big issue in the spring it causes kind of stunting and a bit more branching to your all seed rape plant in the spring and it burrows into the stem as does flea beetle but they're uh, a bit more kind of autumn early winter egg layers rather than kind of yeah a bit uh, earlier on really okay thank you so as we look forward then to this coming summer what i would say is i know we've had some challenges with the crops establishing and then the uh, the pests and the weather over autumn winter and now in spring but i'm pleasantly pleased with what's actually in the field i think there's some handy looking crops which have got some some good biomass in there and we're going to be seeing flowering shortly and i think there'll be some big successes in there is everyone in in agreement chris yeah i think um, on the whole I would say there's a really optimistic outlook for oilseed rape this year and into the future. But one thing that oilseed rape does like is a, is a period of cold weather, which we haven't had in, in recent years. So we had that through sort of late November, December, certainly had some more in January. So my um, honest appraisal is I think we could probably see average yields increase this year back to, you know, more mid to high threes, maybe, you know, on some farms, obviously people are yielding much higher than that. You know, there are five ton crops out there. And when you do that in the gross margin, you know, yes, the market is probably £100 a tonne off the top. Uh, maybe even a little bit more than that with some spot prices, but it's it's a very attractive gross margin. And I think Ellie mentioned it before, you know, oilseed rape is still a break crop. And we had this period of time, probably 10 years ago, where it was very much oilseed rape, the cash crop. Now, it is a profitable crop, but it is also a profitable break crop. And I think um, we've seen more 
consistency of performance on farm probably over the last three years. I would be slightly biased to this. I would say that's largely due to the increase in hybrid variety selection, um, which give consistent performance and, and help in those more challenging times, whether that be through whatever pressure, whether that's cold, uh, extreme heat, pest, disease, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that, that is transforming them on farm and, and people are gaining confidence again. I mean, one little uh, nugget there for your growers in the east where verticillium wilt uh, has historically been an issue. Some of those growers are the ones that actually came out of oilseed rape for longer periods of time because of dry conditions at establishment, cabbage stem flea beetle. And, and verticillium is a bit under the radar again. People are sort of have, have forgotten about it to a certain extent with varietal selection. And there's different, uh, definitely differences in resistance to verticillium. So that's worth keeping an eye on for, for those growers in, in the eastern counties. Yeah. I think as a general comment, farmers enjoy growing oilseed rape. I think they always look to grow oilseed rape and it's always on their forefront. And I don't, I think some of them felt forced out, but now as opportunities are arising with new hybrids and, and breeding, I feel like they will, they will happily go back into it. I think talking to farmers every day, they enjoy growing oilseed rape. So they want to grow oilseed rape. It's a, it's a great point, Danny, <laughs> that no one... No one um, gets more excited about when an oilseed crop comes in with a big yield and a big yeah. oil, uh, oil content to it. Definitely, definitely. So quite right. Um, but you actually touched on like leaf spot, Danny, and it it's becoming a more important disease. We're seeing strains of it coming across from Europe, and we're seeing it sort of move from the the leaves onto the stems as well. Of course, it, it's a really important point to look to when you're looking and choosing your varieties. Um, and I know Chris has got a few varieties coming through the pipeline and, and some which are in there at the moment with extremely high resistances to light leaf spot. But one one bit which, particularly for the Wednesday customers in the sort of Midlands, going down towards the southwest uh, and into the west is club root. And especially when we think about the rotations with other root crops in there. Chris, what can you tell me and tell tell the listeners about club root and what do they need to know? Yeah, club root is um, historically been seen as a sort of a niche area in oilseed rape um, and essentially caused by the, the build-up of a fungal disease in the, in the soil, which is brought about by growing brassicas in tight rotation. So oilseed rape, it could be seen as um, something, particularly in the eastern counties where you saw rape and wheat grown very tight for a period of time, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And really where it historically was confined to the north, so Scotland and, and the northern counties of England and the west, um, Shropshire being, you know, an area where historically we've we've always supplied a decent volume of, of club root resistant material. There is much higher incidence of it around in different areas now, and we would um, advise people to be looking out in their oilseed rape crops if they see any um, sort of stunted areas in, in patches and dig up a few plants and see if you get this traditional gall type, like a clubbed foot essentially within the root mass. So club root key thing is the um, is is rotation, so widening rotation. Um, so there are other um, some cultural elements. And then you look at the variety resistance. It's really important that we don't just put 
a resistant variety in on the proviso that there might be a club root problem. You know, what we want to do is give longevity to these resistances and therefore management of them uh, and only putting them into the, the, the situations where they are required. Absolutely right. Chrome has been our, our leader for a, a long time. We were the company that brought the Mendel resistance in to the UK many, many years ago. Um, and that's then gone forward in into Chrome which has probably been the market leader for the last three or four years now. Really good to hear that the um, Chromat is is looking well on farm. Need to get myself across to the West to come and have a look. And, and we're always looking to bring resistance or new resistance forward through our parent company, MPZ. We have launched a different uh, resistance type to what is found in Chrome. So we're excited to try and register one of those in the UK. Uh, we'll probably make an application this year. And that's essentially a, a double resistance. Now, obviously what normally happens with when you introduce a new trait is you do see some yield lag, and then we need to try and bring those yields back up into line. So exciting things to come on that front. If, you, if we talk about the one that you've got as some test material, you know, we're bringing Turnitrellus virus resistance in, which a couple of our competitors have now got material with that. So that's certainly something that we would like to like to see in our genetics and also good foam resistance. So these two new ones that we have in uh, what are currently Nationalist 2 trials, both contain the RLM7 foam resistance gene, which again, there's another a variety available from a competitor with that uh, resistance. So really good to be stepping forward. I think it's important that, you know, as probably the area of club root increases, that we make sure that we see these advances that we've seen in the other hybrids, in these specialist hybrids, if you like, as well. Thank you for that, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to say Chromat. But you're right, I had it on good authority that the area of club root resistant varieties planted it had increased over 40 percent. Um, but you said it, but I because it's so important, I will reiterate it. It should be about rotation first, then using things like extra lime to deal with the pH, and then you should think about the resistant varieties. But there are testing schemes out there to take patches of soil from those fields. Wednesday can send those samples off for you, and there are independent people that are able to do it for you as well. But that that should be it to make sure you're testing and checking what is the situation before you do anything with it. So in the last part of this, I was excited that Wednesday's been able to put some variety trials and demonstration trials in across the country this year. Danny, do you want to give us an update? Uh, anything that you've seen in those trials and anything to maybe keep an eye on as we um, come into the summer and the point where we all get out and start looking at these demos? Yes. Firstly, I believe that traditionally we look at trials and we look at yields and we all get excited about yield and we still do, but it's now about reaching the genetic potential of varieties. And uh, so these trials, especially the ones a little bit closer to Wednesday, are evaluation trials and they are looking to how we grow varieties, how we get the best of varieties. So we're observing how we grow varieties so we can give the best advice to our farmers. So yeah, so our demonstration trials and evaluation trials are there to do the hard work for you. Um, so we gather this information, we look at it across multiple, a couple of years. Um, so when these come available to the wider population, we know how to grow them. And then we can prescribe a very heavy market to your farm. So we are looking at vigor, disease resistance, 
and, and there's so much more on a on a local geographic level so it gives the best advice to farmers at that time yeah great and ellie i know we don't have them this year but we're going to see any demonstration plots of all seeds in the derbyshire area next year I think it's definitely something that's looking promising in the pipeline. It'd be great to get something a little bit more over kind of central to East Midlands with weather and location wise as well, different disease pressures. It gives us that kind of solid foundation to offer the best advice locally in each region, which is all what it's down for. Obviously, variety choice is kind of key in integrated pest management and crop management really to get the best out of out of your crop every year so looking at uh, more local trials demonstration trials and evaluation trials kind of locally in each region would be great to offer that advice really super thank you very much uh well that's it time's up we've covered a huge amount in a short space of time thank you um to the three of you for your input we can all agree oilseed rape is still a valuable crop for many farms. The variety selection is paramount to the success, but while also taking into consideration establishment and canopy management to bolster that decision. Thank you to everyone that tuned in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. In the meantime, if you'd like any advice on growing oilseed rape or any other arable crops, please visit the Wednesday website where you can find out more. The AgriHub podcast will be back next month and we'll be talking about tailoring fertiliser use to the variety you're growing and the market it's aimed for. Don't forget to like and subscribe now so you don't miss it. Until then, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Ellie, Chris and Danny. Goodbye. Goodbye. goodbye.